Welcome to the RSM Podcast Frontline Servants Program, where we visit with men and women on the front lines of kingdom service. For more information about Rock Solid Ministries, our free revival service, printed materials, and devotionals, or to explore more of our audio and video recordings, visit our website at www.rocksolidministries.org. Again, rocksolidministries.org. My guest today is Jamie Grigsby. Jamie, we met two years ago. Correct. When uh, Right here at Canton, Oklahoma, where we're at today, when I held my last revival with the Canton Christian Church, where your husband, Michael, was a new preacher at yep. that time, or fairly new, fairly new anyway. And, and uh, at that time, I interviewed him, but now I'm really happy to have you on Frontline Servants Program. So, Jamie, tell us your story. Um, well, thank you for having me here today. We're glad to have you back in Canton. It's good to be back. I love coming to Canton. Yes, it's a little chilly today, so oh, yeah. a little different than last year. Mm-hmm. Um, but Michael and I have been in Canton now about three and a half years, um, so we look forward to seeing you every couple years. But a little bit about my backstory is I was originally born in Texas into a wonderful family. My parents are great. Um, I was an only child and they taught me such great values. But one thing that we did not have when I was growing up is we didn't attend church except for on Christmas and Easter. Uh, you were regular attenders every Christmas and Easter. For the most part. Sometimes <laughs> daddy would come, sometimes he wouldn't. But mom and I yeah. pretty much always went with grandma, yes. Right. Um, but it wasn't an every Sunday thing. So that's something I actually didn't come to until Michael and I met in high school. We were high school sweethearts. Uh, met in summer school. Where? What town? Grapevine, Texas. Grapevine, Texas? Yes, okay. it's the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Okay. Um, so we met in high school and got married right after high school. And Michael was in the military, moved away right after we got married. I'd never been away from my folks or anything. And then Michael shortly was deployed after that. So I actually found my faith when Michael was deployed because... I felt all alone. I had some great military wives there and the base was very supportive, but 12 hours away from my parents, had never lived alone, um, and my husband was in Iraq wow. area. Right. Um, so I found a local church and that's where my true journey began. Um, and at that time, Michael wasn't into church at that time because of course he was deployed, but even when he came back, um, from his deployment, it was many years later whenever he actually got his calling and found church. Right. Um, I don't know if you know, but military life is kind of stressful and it's just a whole different world. Yes. So I... My, my brother's been his life in the military, so okay. I understand that. Well, you're apart from everybody <clears throat> and you face challenges every day that a lot of people don't. Yes. So for me, thankfully, I was able to find God and that's what helped me get through that time. Well, how, how did you, how did that begin for you? I mean, was it through someone that you knew on the base that you, or did you just start searching on your own and thinking maybe I need to go to church or? It actually started with a meal, um, that church in, it was El Paso because we were at Fort Bliss at the time and they were feeding some military spouses because um, it was one of the first deployments out of that base at that time. And I went with the captain's wife um, 
it wasn't a church service. It wasn't even a potluck. It was just they were feeding us on a random day, a Thursday or Friday, I don't remember. Um, and I went and it just felt like home. Everybody was very kind and it seemed like they truly wanted to talk to us and know us and be there for us. And we had our oldest daughter at that time. Um, so I had a young child mm -hmm. and it gave her some friends. She just connected right away at this meal. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to go back on Sunday and see what it's like. And so mm -hmm. just going from there, it just, it got into a habit at first. Um, right. And then building relationships and then truly knowing what the church is about. Big C church, not that particular church, you know, but right. the kingdom right. is about. Because when I went, when I was a kid, it was more of special events for Christmas and Easter. Right. You, you, you were just used to two types of sermons, resurrection yes. and birth sermons. Yes. <laughs> right. And that's all you knew. And, and so now all of a sudden, through what I like to call, and a lot of people do, side door evangelism, by not bringing you through the front door on Sunday, but a side door during the week. Absolutely, to, yes. To, to feed you, uh, that opened the door. It did. Yeah, those, those events are so important, so important. Absolutely. And it set, I didn't know at the time, but it set <clears throat> a um, whole meaning to me as a pastor's wife that all of our work, of course, is not done in the building, um, but it makes me driven more to be community because that's what I needed at that time. Right. And I think many people, even not being military, of course, but they need their community. Right, right. So uh, so you attended church the whole time you were uh, stationed in El Paso? I did. And then Michael came back from being deployed. Um, and honestly, I didn't attend as often once he came back just the excitement of him being back and right. um, just fell out of the habit. So he actually ETS'd or got out of the military. Right. And we moved back home um, to be around family, the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Right. And he was in and out with oil field jobs. And um, I kind of got that lonely feeling again, I guess, because he was gone so much with the oil field. I had a friend in the Dallas-Fort Worth area who actually connected me with Compass Christian Church in Colleyville. I know of Compass. They sure are fantastic. Um, that's actually mine and Michael's. I guess you would call it home church right? because that's where it all started for us. Um, but connected with them and Michael was, like I said, in and out of different oil field jobs and construction jobs. And then he actually lost his job. Um, it was around the time of that terrible Joplin tornado. I don't remember what year. Oh, I remember that. We have friends, good friends in Joplin. We're very concerned about them. They did survive it. So, oh, but, good. But uh, people who came to Christ in one of our ministries in Colorado and oh. moved to Joplin. And, and so uh, it, it really hit home with us when that, uh, it was a, it was a five, category five. It was, it was just, terrible. It was, it was awful. So how did that, uh, so you were, you were going to church then by yourself? I was going to church by myself and probably, I would guess, maybe a month before the Joplin tornado happened. Um, Michael got laid off. They were doing cutbacks from this particular job he was at. And so I had just, I'd ask him on and off during this time to go to church with me. And that particular time he woke up and he's like, I'm going to go to church with you this one time, but don't ever ask me again or nag me. Um, so he'll tell you that he 
part of his story is my wife nagged me to go and you know god does what god does and that's why we're here today um so when did when did you really come to christ personally make that decision i would guess personally um full committed probably 2008 2007 2008 um i was on and off like i said whenever he was in the military, but it took a while to be all in. Right. Um, so about 2008 is when I finally got all committed, and I would guess that's about the same time that um, Michael's walk began. And I did realize that once his walk began, because like I said, he had been let off, then the Joplin tornado happened, and since he wasn't working, um, he mentioned that I think I'm going to go do um, some work in Joplin because Compass had three different, I think it was three different trips to go help people in Joplin. And with him not working, he had the flexibility to do that. So it was a God sent opportunity. And in that time, he was able to truly connect with a pastor one on one. Um, and it's kind of history from there. I mean, like I said, God does what God does. And. I was, I was trying while you were talking. I thought I'd written down the podcast number for Michael's podcast, and I didn't. And I apologize to our listeners. I always try to have that ready. But uh, it's Michael Grigsby. Go back. It's in the archives. You can find it, and it's, uh, it'll be something uh, after 100, after podcast 100, probably about 125 or somewhere along there. And I encourage you to go back and listen to Michael's story. And, and again, apologize. I thought I'd put that down. And I can't find it. So absolutely. But so he he connected with the preacher from from the church in Dallas while they were serving together. Yes. Right. I mean, there's only so much pastors can do on Sunday when you're just there for a little per period of time. But he was able to do life with that pastor. You know, that right. whole week that they were there, twenty four seven basically. Um, so you just get a whole new opportunity. Right. To get to connect with people. And and then, um, then he became a Christian. Correct. And uh, from what I remember from my interview with him a couple of years ago, uh, things picked up pretty quickly with him. It did. So he, um, I think he ended up going back on the second or third trip to Joplin. I don't recall which one, but he went on one more trip um, to do some mission work. And then he actually got a job offer to do government contracting overseas. And he, he agreed to do that. He got sent to Florida. He was getting ready to ship out back to the Middle East for a government contract job. And one day he called me and he said, Jamie, I think I want to do something really dumb. And I was <laughs> like, okay. And he said, I want to go to college. And I said, well, okay, well, what do you want to be? And he said, you're never going to believe this, but I want to be a pastor. Mm -hmm. And so I told him, I said, okay, come home. And at that point, it was, he was still a little bit new in his faith, and I was new in my solid faith at mm -hmm. that time. And he said, well, everything's going to have to align, and we have to contact the VA to help us pay for this, because um, he had some education benefits with the VA. Mm -hmm. And the military doesn't work very fast a lot of times. I don't know right. if you're familiar. Yes. Um, we always said when we were in the military, it's hurry up and wait. Right. 
but they actually processed his paperwork through so fast that I think he was home and enrolled in college within the week. So it was definitely God saying, I'm going to use you for things you don't even know yet. Yeah, yeah. Well, so all of a sudden you married someone that uh, was the farthest thing from a preacher. I don't mean that being a bad person, but he just wasn't going to be a preacher because he wasn't even a Christian. Right. And then you're married to a, a military. You're in a military marriage. And all of a sudden, <clears throat> you're joining a different army. Yes. You're joining God's army. Um, was that a shock to your system? Um, it was, and it still is at times <clears throat> because just like in the military, it's different things every day. You never know what's going to happen or how God is going to use you. Um, because again, doing messages and stuff is great to do and it helps refill people's cups. But being out there with people in the community and living their lives with them is an even bigger experience for me personally. So you never know what call you're going to get or how you're going to be serving that day, whether it's picking stuff up or going on a hospice call or right. there's a variety of things. So then um, you were, he, he finished school and where did you, what was your first ministry? Um, well, a little funny thing about Michael finishing school is whenever he graduated, we were praying and talking about where his job was going to be. And we actually prayed, Lord, please don't send us to Oklahoma which is where we are now, and we're very grateful and we love it. Um, his grandparents lived in Oklahoma, and they passed, and we just thought it would never feel like home without them here. Oh, so that's okay. why we prayed, please don't ever send us to Oklahoma. Um, but God has a sense of humor sometimes. Mm -hmm. But before we were here, we went to Rock Springs, Wyoming. Yeah, It's in the southwest corner, and it's not the beautiful Wyoming like Jackson Hole or Yellowstone that people think about. Um, right. If you live in Wyoming, they call it the armpit of Wyoming because it's got <laughs> about 20 shades of brown. Oh. It's high <laughs> desert. Yeah. Um, but he started there as a youth pastor. And then over time, he became the lead pastor there. Right. Um, and doing ministry in Wyoming is a little bit difficult, I would say. Um, it's very LDS and Mormon there. Right. Um, so there's not a lot of... Latter-day Saint. Yes. Yeah, right. There's not a lot of Christianity right. there. and Particularly in the, in the southwest corner is even more so because you're so close to Utah. Yes, absolutely. Right. Um, we actually went to Salt Lake City, which is where the head temple is. That's where we would do our grocery shopping. That's how close we were. Oh, wow. That um, is close. Yes. It was yeah. very close. And the people were great, and it was it was just hard to do ministry, though. And then the people that were not part of the Latter-day Saints, um, they just stayed in. They were very enclosed. They didn't get out into community. There wasn't a lot of community. There wasn't Friday night football. Oh. They were just very, go do your work, go do your shopping, come in, close your doors. Very private. Oh, yeah. Um, That's different. Now, we do revivals in Riverton, Wyoming. Okay. And... Uh, very, certainly it's a different culture. And we've learned that traveling coast to coast, how different the culture is everywhere in our country. And it's different there, but not at all like what you're describing in the Southwest. This is more like North Central 
Wyoming. And, okay. and uh, it, it's certainly a beautiful area of Wyoming. I know what you mean about going to the, I want to say this as gently and kindly as I can, to the ugly part of the state. <laughs> uh, <clears throat> we spent seven years in Colorado and everybody said, oh, you live in Colorado. Yeah, but it's, it's like, where we lived was like Kansas. And I mean, it was just, in Very fact, we were, we were 30 miles from Goodland, Kansas for, for several of those years. And then we were under uh, the panhandle of Nebraska for the other four years that we were there. And it's all high plains. And there are there there is something beautiful about crusty snow on the plains during sunrise, you know, and, and the, the lightning storms at night with no rain, just lightning. It just can be beautiful. But if you're talking about the the Rocky Mountains. That's not where we were at. Right. And and uh, we have several times. I used to say I always seem to end up in the ugly part of the state, no matter where I live. And we we were able to to live in the Washtenaw Mountains of Arkansas for a while, which was beautiful. And and Tennessee where we were at was West Tennessee, but it was wasn't too far west, so it was kind of nice. And in Mississippi now we're in a very pretty part of Mississippi. In the Northeast, not in the Delta, and Delta's got its own beauty, but it's not—it's not where I, I would care to live. And I, the Lord's listening; He's liable to put me there someday. <laughs> but I really understand what you're saying about that. But so then, how did you end up? And let's back this up. <clears throat> you were your home is the Dallas area, correct? Then you go to small town Wyoming, yes. and now you are in. I mean, what we used to say about places like Canton is it's not the end of the world, but you can see it from here. <laughs> I mean, it's just, I mean, it's a town of 300 in western Oklahoma, almost to the, really just about the Texas panhandle. Right. So, I mean, it is really out here uh, in, in in the plains of Oklahoma, and it's got its own beauty. Last night, the the the, the full moon last night, and you could see it all. You didn't have trees blocking it. <laughs> you could see it all. Right. And it's gorgeous. And we have the most beautiful sunsets. Oh, yes. Yes, absolutely. And But how do you end up coming to a small town and being a, a city girl? How do you make that transition and how do you like it? Um, I don't know if it was because it was a slow transition because we went from Dallas-Fort Worth to smaller rock springs and then to smaller here so it's kind of gradual going small for us or if it's just because i think i'm just a small town girl i don't know i we love it here um it's very community based yes it is which is amazing one of the huge things for me personally um that we did not get to see in wyoming is the churches here are amazing at working together yeah um, and that's huge for me because you know, we're all here for the kingdom. We're not here for this church, that church. We're all here mm -hmm. for the glory of God. Right. Um, so we can do bigger things if we work together. Right. And the Christian churches in this area, like you had a rally Sunday night. Yes. And had some of them over here, and that was wonderful to see them. Because a lot of churches don't do that anymore, and that, that's a nice thing to see. Right. Because it's an encouraging thing as well. So uh, small town, you, you're loving it, it looks like. I sure am. I'm loving it. Um, one of our daughters, I think she had the biggest adjustment because she just loves city life. Mm -hmm. um, but she's just thriving in school too. 
I think she misses the shopping, which mom doesn't miss very much because that's not mom's thing. Really? But she gets to enjoy that every once in a while. And I think her having a treat every once <laughs> in a while is better than just the constant busyness. Right. Um, she'll actually be graduating this year and she has amazing plans to go on and she'll probably end up in a city, but she'll always come back to visit. Well, in a town of 300, I am correct about that, about population of about 300 for Canton. I think we're a little bit more, but I'm not sure. Okay. And the church is about 100 right now, maybe a little more. So about a third of the population yes. is, is at Canton Christian Church. And right. And it's interesting, you came from a contemporary church. I yes, mean, that's very where, much. That's where y'all really uh, came to know Christ was in a contemporary church. Yes. And you're in a very traditional church. Yes. Uh, and, and as a matter of fact, you have, still have a functioning choir. We do. Which is amazing. I think you're one of two or three churches that we go to that has a functioning choir. And yours is just, uh, I brag on your choir. I tell people, you know, I... Uh, I grew up in a denominational church that had a choir. And, of course, that was back in the 60s and 70s. Uh -huh. Most churches had choirs. But for those who don't like a choir, let me say, they're okay. You know, I really, uh, and it's not just because I grew up with them, uh, when it's done well. Right. I, I've said for years that it doesn't matter if you do contemporary music or traditional, what we call traditional music. And a lot of traditional music was contemporary in the 70s, but that we called that now. But it doesn't matter which way you do it, you, which way you do Sunday church, as long as you do it well, as long as you put everything you have into it and you do it for the glory of the Lord. Absolutely. Then, you know, it, people, I don't believe that people care as much as we think they care about the style of music in a church. They care about walking into someone saying, hello, my name is, would you like to sit with me? Would you like to go to lunch with us today? Right. You know, they want that relationship. Absolutely, just that connection. It's all about the connection, I think, inside and outside the church. Right, and I think that's, that's if I remember right, that's what, what grabbed Michael when he first went to church. When yes. he was just going to give you that one Sunday, all of a sudden people were talking to him. Absolutely. And he didn't expect that. Because, of course, nobody can see um, us right now, but Michael's tattooed and he has sleeves. And he can be a little scary to some, I guess. Um, <laughs> that's what at least our kids' friends tell us when they first meet him, just because maybe a little intimidating. I don't know, just mm -hmm. being... Well, being the father of girls, that's a good thing, really. True. Actually. Very I true. I like that. Um, yeah. So he wasn't expecting anybody to approach him. Right. Um, and so it just changed his outlook. I think it changed his outlook first before it changed his life because he thought, well, they might actually accept me. And I think it threw him back at first. Well, what in your life, uh, maybe as being the wife of, of a local preacher or anything else in your life, what has helped to, to develop your faith and, and help to grow you in your, in your Christian walk? Um, for me, it's numerous different things. Prayer is huge for me um, because there's oftentimes I don't know what to say or do, but I know God knows my heart and he'll always listen to me. He's not going to have an opinion to come back at me. Right. He's going to know what's right and wrong, but I can share anything with him and he'll truly listen. And right. for me, sometimes it's just getting that prayer out there because I don't know what else to do. Um, 
being a pastor's wife or being anybody in ministry or any Christian, we don't have it all together. I mean, we're not no. perfect either. Right. Um, especially our kids, you know, sometimes they think, well, we need to be perfect. Mom, well, no, you just need to be, be yourself. you. Yeah, be you. You know, yeah. if we were perfect, we wouldn't need Jesus, and we all need Jesus. So it, it took some adjusting for them, didn't it? All of a sudden, absolutely being being in the parsonage, as we say, in the glass house. Yes. Yeah. And they still struggle with that at times, um, but being here, there's so many perks of small town. Like I said, everybody's just so welcoming and geared towards community and supporting each other. Um, sometimes I think they're harder on themselves because they feel like they need to be than I've noticed anybody being on them. Right. So if, if you could point to one thing that has really caused your faith to, to blossom, any, anything that you can think of? I know I'm, I'm kind of hitting you kind of cold here, but... Um, there's actually two huge life events, in my opinion, that okay. truly um, is either going to make or break it, I think, for me personally, during right. my faith. My first one was I was diagnosed with an incurable cancer um, four months before Michael got the job offer to go to Wyoming. And at oh, that yeah. time, I was working at an ER. Um, we had full coverage insurance. We didn't have to pay anything. You know, lots of doctors in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Sure. Um, then we went to Wyoming, and the closest doctor for my medullary cancer was six hours away. Um, we wouldn't have any insurance because smaller churches, it's just, sure. it just doesn't come with it. I know. And, that's been my whole life. Yep. And then um, the girls actually got genetic testing done because it's a genetic cancer about four weeks before we were to make the move to Wyoming. And they all came back positive. And that phone call, I can still remember, um, MD Anderson called us and they said, we have good and bad news. And so Michael and I were thinking, okay, we've got three kids. Somebody's good or two of them are good and somebody's got it. And they told us, well, all your girls are positive for medullary. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, well, what's the good news? And they said, well, we'd like to study all. We've never seen that. So in my mind, that was not good news. And I was kind of at a crossroads of, you know, God, where are you taking us? And why are you taking us now? And why are you moving us to Wyoming? Right. This right here. And because we'd have no family there and we knew nobody and no there. no insurance. And no insurance. And, um... Driving six hours in Wyoming in the middle of winter is kind of scary. It is. You know, on yeah. Highway 80 that shuts down all the time. Yeah. Um, but we prayed about it, and Michael also was a little hesitant. You know, maybe this is, we're not supposed to go. And I said, or maybe we're supposed to go, and this is our leap of faith, so let's just go. Wow. Um, so that was probably my first true hard battle. I mean, little battles before that, sure. just with life. and. Well, how has that worked out with, with the, if you don't mind me asking, the, the insurance and the whole thing and the move? Uh, we, you didn't have insurance, but apparently you felt like you had assurance from the Absolutely. Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. So how's that worked out? Or with, how many years has that been now since with Wyoming and the time here? Oh, golly. I think that would have been nine and a half, almost 10 years now. 
Um, I still actually have to go to Colorado because there's only two places in the U.S. that can do medullary, and it's MD Anderson, Houston, and University of Colorado, and it's Aurora, Colorado. So that's a little closer. Yes. Yeah. So I still have to go there twice a year. Yeah. Um, but the girls, they ended up having preventative surgery, and they just get monitored. But um, so far, God's just shown grace and mercy and love and support, and they are doing well. But it was a blessing in disguise to get diagnosed with that cancer because it helped us truly lean on our faith and our prayers of what to do. But we never would have known the girls had the genetic mutation if I wouldn't have gotten diagnosed. Yes. And um, yeah. so it was all part of God's plan. So the girls are all doing well now. They sure are. Yes. All right. And you're doing well. I am doing well. I mean, um, it, it, you wouldn't know if <laughs> if you didn't know, you wouldn't know. Let me say that to our listeners. You know, you're you're always smiling. You're always helping people in the church. You're you're uh, you're just what people love about a, a preacher's wife, like the same preacher's wife. I mean, you're. Uh, you, you, you jump up if something needs to be done, you jump up and try to do it. Yeah. Well, I think that's just not so much being a pastor's wife, but just loving God. I yeah. mean, right. you know, he's always there serving us in ways that we're not worthy of. That's just what I was looking for. <laughs> so the least I can do is take a kiddo to the nursery if they need. Yeah. or. Um, You've done that quite a bit this week. I have. It's one of my favorite things to do. Oh. Um, one of my other biggest test of faith was actually before we moved here. So we were foster parents in Wyoming for five years and we um, had a little boy straight from birth and we were trying to get guardianship on him. And right before we were getting ready to move, we were still in the court process of getting that and we didn't know if we were going to be able to bring him. Um, So again, we had to take a leap of faith and say, all right, God, if it's meant to be, then you're going to let him come with us, or if it's not meant to be, you're going to keep him safe here, but we're still going to go. And so that's what we did, and his, his name was Zayden, and we actually had him when we first moved here. Right. He came down with us for about a year and a half, I think, um, but his yeah. biological dad has since got him back, but we've been able to keep communication, um, and he was able to visit this summer. Oh, wonderful. So not as much communication as I was like, just because I missed the guy, but I'm still very grateful that, you know, God's been faithful through everything, even when we don't think that there's a way. Yeah. He shows us a way. So you went ahead and you actually were the one who said to Michael, let's go to Wyoming. I was. He Mm -hmm. was, I think he was excited to go and ready to go, but he was very nervous because, He wanted to put you first. Me and the girls, yeah, right. Because that was his whole family, right. Um, and I don't think he was. It would have stopped him from ministry, no. but just making that particular move right then, right. And how far is it for you to make your trips to Aurora, Colorado? From right here, it's probably about twelve, thirteen hours, is depending on who's driving. <laughs> and <laughs> we which route we, we go. We don't have to go into that. Yeah. And it's you, you don't really have any big towns. Depends on the way you go, unless you go through Pueblo. You don't have really any big town in Colorado Springs, maybe, to, to get there. I mean, um, we normally just, go through Garden City, Kansas, and we stay uh, the night there and then make the rest of the drive. I know that. I know those roads so well, <laughs> so well. Uh, it can be a little tricky in the winter, though. So, so how long do you have to, when you go up there, how long do you have to be up there? Normally a week. 
a week. Uh huh. So you and Michael go for the whole week and. Well, normally uh, Michael stays here because mm -hmm. of the kids and school. Because I normally go September and March is the schedule oh, okay. they have me on, and um, we have a farm of animals. Basically, we've got right. a big variety. So normally Michael stays here and I take my oldest daughter, she's 22, and we kind of try to make it a mother-daughter trip just right. to have some quality time. Right. Um, but I am awaiting another surgery, so when that time comes, he'll probably come for that. Right. Um, he mm -hmm. wasn't able to make the last one due to work, and I think that kind of tore on him. My dad right. went with me for that one, which I'm a daddy's girl, so right. you know that was great for me, but um, for him... Yeah. I think he needed to be there. Now, do you have family around here? My parents actually moved from Dallas-Fort Worth area because I'm an only child. They moved up in Okeen, which is the very next town, in last November. So that's nice, huh? It Having is. Close by. My mom is very active here. Um, she's in the choir. Yeah. And my dad, um, he's pretty active with the community, and he comes... Probably about half the time, I would guess. Maybe a little less, but it's Maybe growing see on more him. Of that. Yeah, see it's more growing of that. on him. Yeah, it's growing on him. Well, we have to start somewhere, don't we? Yes. Yeah. So, is the farm? Is it here? Your your farm? Is it more over at O'Kane or? Um, well, mom and dad have the land, but we have all the animals. <laughs> and I don't mean farm by lots of land. I mean farm by we have lots of animals. So we've oh. got chickens and a goat and a rabbit and this just is a amazing the, these city people that, yeah. uh, <laughs> and I, the other night michael was having to go take care of some pig yes that was that they they need to take care of and I'm, I'm just i'm amazed to see the way you have adapted you know i was i was a small town boy but i was like a city boy <laughs> you know i mean i was a town of about five thousand. that's certainly bigger than this but uh i grew up working in a store and that was, you know, so farm life was nothing, you know, and I, then I had all these ministries in farm, farming communities and came to love them, but never, never had a pig, <laughs> never, uh, though, uh, and we didn't have chickens because my wife just doesn't like chickens. She thinks they're mean and, you know, uh, she likes the other animals, she right. anything, but I don't want chickens. We've talked about if we ever retired, will we get, will we get chickens? I'd love to have a garden again, but we can't do that when you travel like we do. And True. I, but I, as I told my board this just this last year, uh, retirement just isn't on the radar for me because the world is so bad that we need preaching. Absolutely. And that we've got to, we've got to keep doing it. And it doesn't matter how hard it might and difficult it might be, uh, we need preaching. And we need and we need preachers' wives who support them like you do. And and uh, that's a wonderful thing to see, and we sometimes don't see that, and, and that's sad. We realize how good uh, a minister could be if he just had a little more support on the home front, you right. know, and, and just a little more, and much less a whole lot like Michael has here. And, and um, well, what joy? What what is no no? Let's start with that. What would be maybe the the uh, uh, oh, I don't even want to go there. Let's not even go there. We're having a good time today. Greatest joy you've had as the wife of a preacher serving in the local church. What is something that just really jumps out at you as one of your greatest joys? I think the people. Um, just seeing them interact, seeing them 
serve in so many different ways because everybody has different love languages and it's just amazing to see all the aspects come together um, and them being able to show me um, being a city girl you know there's so many things that we have learned since we've been here and it's just amazing to see how open people are to share and to love on you and I know if they can share parts of life sharing the gospel it's just gonna explode yeah. in this community and we see it um, we moved around COVID time right so um, you had mentioned earlier our number around 100 which is accurate but when we first got here it wasn't like that no um, COVID had a terrible toll on communities it had a terrible toll on the churches and just life if we look at it and so just to see that coming back in the church seeing the people come back in the church seeing the people gather out in the community that brings me so much joy and hope for what's in store right well i, I definitely see a difference in the in two years that we've been gone and this church schedules us every two years this is 2023 and uh, the podcast is coming out early 24 this one that we're doing but we're scheduled again in 25 and in 27, Lord willing, as we always say, because you don't know what's going to happen. And but, but I, I look forward to seeing you know what's going to happen in the future and how it's going to be. But I definitely see a change of, of um, I don't want to use the term at, attitude because the attitude here, the people's attitude has always been wonderful. Atmosphere, change of atmosphere, and this church to be in a uh, in a town of 300. They have done a tremendous job of getting everything they need uh, electronically, online, to be online. And and though we don't want people locally watching online, we want them here. It is nice that when people really are actually ill that they can watch online. And, and if people who are listening to this, and we have downloads around the world. I noticed yesterday we had a, a download from Great Britain. Right. Uh, and and uh, we've had them from just all over uh, uh, Europe and every every continent. But if if they're interested in seeing what it's like to be at Canton Christian Church on a Sunday, uh, the best way is probably just to go to the Facebook page. Is that right, or or would it be YouTube? Um, if you go on the Facebook page, the video is always posted there where you can just click on it and it takes you to the YouTube. Okay. so But it's easier to find if you go through the Facebook page. Okay. And the Facebook page is Canton Christian Church. Yes. And we want to warn everybody, there are several Canton Christian churches out there. There's a big Canton Christian Church in Canton, Ohio. Yes. And uh, But it's C-A-N-T-O-N. And uh, you might type in Canton, Oklahoma. Christian Church. Yes. And and uh, just remember, it's okay. And uh, go there and and listen to Michael preach. I know you'll enjoy. It. I've I've done that a few times myself. And and uh, uh, one of these days we'll get Michael recorded on the Just Preaching program, and we'll get to hear him. But that's a good place to go and 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 check out Canton Christian Church. And maybe you'll even I don't know. Do you do do you just put up just the preaching? Or do you have the choir? Does a choir, or do you do that on online? Um, for the most part, it's just the preaching. Because Sometimes of you can copyright. catch the specials, but yes. Yeah, copyright is, you gotta be careful about that. And, I do and, know they put like the cantata 
that Twyla, our choir director, she yeah. works so hard and does amazing with the Christmas cantata. She is cantata. absolutely amazing. Yes. I, I just, uh, I'm just always floored. Last night's, they start off every night of the revival uh, with a choir special. And then we sing a couple, two or three congregational songs. Then there's a special from an individual, usually, yes. or maybe a, a, a duet. And then uh, they get me up to preach and give me plenty of time to preach, which I so appreciate that uh, I love the singing, but we we got to have time to preach and where I don't feel pressured. I don't want to keep the people here too late because I want them to come back the next night. But uh, And another thing I appreciate about here is you say we start at 7 o'clock and you start at 7 o'clock. It's not 7.03. It's not 7.12. It is seven o'clock because that's that's fairly late anyway, and we do have teenagers coming, which is wonderful. I see the teenagers out here, and 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 we have some small ones, and and uh, even Twyla said, "Can we have a countdown?" Because we're using my computer, right? And yes, we have a countdown, and when it hits zero, somebody's going to say something because it's starting right then. Yes. And I do appreciate and appreciate, and if if the only time you can see this choir is the cantata. I encourage people around Christmas, start looking for the cantata because I know it's going to be good. We heard one of the songs this week. We did. And uh, it just always is one great way to start off. Lots of enthusiasm, great choir and great choir director and and uh, always enjoy it. Um, well, I just appreciate your faith, Jamie. I appreciate the, the way you live out your faith and the way you, you walk with God while walking with cancer. Uh, is just, uh, I, I won't use the word amazing because I know how people can walk with God and, and, and walk with whatever they're given to deal with. But it is absolutely um, encouraging to those of us who are not walking with that. We all have, we're all walking with something. Absolutely. We're all dealing with something. Everybody has something. and. And it may be mentally, it may be spiritually, it may be physically, but your faith is uh, helps to increase our faith, and we appreciate that. Is there anything else that you, you'd like to add, Jamie, today? Um, I guess I would just like to encourage whoever may be listening to get involved in your local church or community. Um, and any community, it's okay to work together. Yeah. You know, like I said, we're all part of a, the kingdom of God. Right. Um, so that's probably my biggest thing is I just want us all to come to glorify Him in yeah. everything right. we do that we can. Well, everything that we're supposed to do, our main purpose in being Christians is not to get to heaven. Our main purpose is to glorify God. Absolutely. And I'm fond of telling people anymore that, that to become a Christian just to go to heaven there's a little bit of humanism in that because <laughs> it, it, it's 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 for my end for the good of my end right and it should be to God's glory so let's become a Christian and let's serve Christ for his glory and one of the wonderful side benefits is we live eternally we get to go to heaven but let's glorify God in our lives yes and, and help others along the way yes I mean nobody's perfect we right. all make mistakes and that's why we need Jesus and yep. when one stumbles and falls one of us can be there ready to help, you yeah. know, help them up because sometimes you're going to be the one that stumbles and falls. Well, I hope that uh, no matter what you're struggling with, listeners, that this conversation today, uh, maybe it's hit on just what you're dealing with. 
And I, I hope it's been an encouragement to you. And it, it con this concludes another Frontline Servants program. Uh, keep listening for more programs like this, as well as our Just Preaching and Just Music programs. And would you do something for us listeners? If this program has been an encouragement to you, tap the like and follow buttons, share it with your friends and co-workers in Christ, leave a comment, rate the program, and maybe even share the link on your social media site. We'd certainly appreciate that. Until next time, this is Evangelist Tom Weaver saying goodbye, and may God pour down His blessings on you like a Mississippi rain.